Welcome to today's NC My podcast. Craig Mayer, along with his wife Colette, lead Grace Covenant Church in Centurion, Gauteng, South Africa. Today he'll be sharing a testimony on what it means to partner with the NC My team. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more, go to ncmi.net. Hello, everybody. We have, Colette and I have been in Pretoria for 11 years when we were processing whether we should go there or not. And what the Lord was saying, you know, like you guys are busy with in your lives at the moment. I remember talking to Tyron and saying, uh, the last thing I want to do is go get lost in Pretoria. He said, Craig, don't worry. Uh, you won't get lost there. And I'm so glad just that because of these partnerships that we have, we weren't on our own, even when we were just us as a partnering church there. And it's been such a joy to see what God is doing in that city and beyond. So if you'd like to sit, you're welcome to. Um, it's our brief. So I'm Craig and that's Colette over there. We've been married for 26 years. We have a 19-year-old, almost 20-year-old boy and a 16-year-old daughter. And um, I've known Marcus since my first year out of school. I knew him when he had hair, and uh, he knew me when my hair was blonde. Uh, <laughs> and it's our kind of joy this afternoon to talk about a little bit of our story. Um, I'm always suspicious about people's stories because we can, like Marcus has said, we actually need to talk about the Bible more than just our feelings and experiences. The Bible isn't true because I feel it is. Um, it's true because it's true, and I need to feel what the Bible tells me to feel, but I suppose I'll fulfill the brief as best we can. Colette will have a chance to share her heart with us as well in between. I know the ladies would love to hear uh, someone with a little less deeper voice than me. Um, so uh, we've been doing this thing for a little while. Uh, Colette and I took over a church in uh, Margate. When I was 24, Colette was 22. Uh, we got married a month before that. We got married, Colette was 20. And um, 30 days after our, our, our wedding day, we went to church planters, which didn't look like this. Then it was three months, and you, we went to at least six different churches for a length of time, Cornerstone being one of those, Bryanston being one of those, went down to the Cape and to KZN. And we stayed in people's homes for 31 days plus three months of our marriage. Colette uh, had her 21st birthday in that time, and uh, we were on one of the church fasts. You know, churches fast at the beginning of the year. So January to April, every church we went to felt like we were fasting. So Colette and I celebrated her 21st birthday uh, in KZN in the middle of a church plant. Um, and... Uh, we came back from that, uh, came on staff as a deacon, kind of so on and so on. Uh, I really don't mean to bore you with all the details, just to say uh, we had been on eldership for nine months when we transitioned the leadership of the church. I remember asking Lindsay Evans, who led the church then, um, uh, he'd taken a shine to me and had uh, really played a great role mentoring me. And I remember asking him, so uh, do you have anyone in mind? Because it's been speaking about planting overseas. And he nodded and he said, yes, I think we do. And uh, I said, okay, great. And I didn't ever realize that he was talking about us. So we, were, we had nine months worth of experience as elders. Uh, we were part of an eldership team of six. 
that the foremost experienced elders left and they left the youngest one and the other guy and his wife came on at the same time as us. So collectively, the eldership team of two had 18 months experience when we took over the church. It's a miracle, Marcus. It's a miracle. And uh, we led that church for 11 years. We handed over. I might tell you that story. Um, and then we came to Cornerstone for two years. We joined the staff and the eldership here. And then we went to, uh, to Centurion, to Pretoria, and we've led there for 11 years. So the joke is that the second time we've led a church, we had nearly three times the amount of experience as the first time. So my point for you is God's got you. No matter how much experience you have, uh, Carl, where are you? There you are, right in front of me. Um, you know, when, when um, you guys call him Terrence, it still doesn't make sense to me. When Terry and Wendy left Cornerstone, because we overlapped here, when they left to go and plant um, in uh, Uppington, thank you, uh, I remember sitting here with him. He'd preached one sermon on this platform. One sermon. And look at this church, it's still coped for how many years? His, his, his preaching, somehow the Lord carried him. They ministered to people. I want to remind you that God has you. We all have stories that we can share. But God has you, and you are working in with his agenda. And trust me, if you're the right person for the right time. Lindsay always used to tell me, Craig, come the hour, come the man. We have been born for such a time as this. And so if God has brought you to this place, then believe that he will do with you what he needs to do because he, he, he has a plan for you. And so, I mean, my goodness, can I just be vulnerable? The whole first year that we led uh, what became South City Church in Margate, my biggest fear for the first year, September to September, was will people come back next Sunday? Uh, I toyed with ideas of giving you snaps, pictures of what you looked like then. Uh, I don't know that I would have come back. Uh, Sunday by Sunday, we were the least likely culprits. We really were. I think we were found at the very end of the list. And somehow God chose in his divine wisdom uh, to turn the church upside down. Uh, as I say, there were six elders. We were the youngest. Everyone else, there was one elder that had already planned to go to uh, the UK to support a church plant there. All the other elders thought they were the next guy. We were the least likely candidate. <laughs> we were young, we were inexperienced, our marriage was brand new, um, and yet somehow in the grace of God, he held us and he kept us going. I don't know where your insecurities lie, I'm sure we've all got a few. I want to tell you that God will see you through if you're following him. Um, So we're talking about partnering with the NCMR team. You know, we took over this church, we knew nothing. I remember from Sunday to Sunday thinking, what do we do with announcements now? Uh, you know how many announcements you've listened to in your life? Wait till you lead the church. You're like, announcements? How, where, when does that happen? Uh, like, how, what are announcements? Uh, <laughs> and I remember that. But you know, we took over. I can, I can summarize everything we have to say today in these words. Without this team, we wouldn't have made it beyond the first few months. I'm not saying NCMI is the best team. There are many out there, but this is the best team for us. We have felt that God separately put very strongly in our heart that this is the house that we are to build with. These are the, the teammates that 
we follow and now partner with, and that's my story. The rest is all this details, and I would encourage you, if it's not the NCMI team, find one quickly, because you will run into trouble without them, okay? It's just how it is. We took over this church when you Zulch, a guy by the name of PHP, Pete Howard Brown, his wife Jan, some of you may know him. Uh, they lived three hours from us in, in KZN, and they found us. They walked up to us in, one of the, in a, some kind of a corporate meeting. They said, we'd love to come visit you and have some tea. So that was our experience of uh, one of our first examples of how you partner with a team. And so they came, I think uh, Pete was a lawyer by trade before ministry. He came, you know those lawyer briefcases, Wawa? Hey, he came with one of those full of photostats of leadership training and sermon notes. He came to my house, I thought, oh dear, I'm in trouble now, what's that box for? And uh, they sat and they drank our tea. We tried to be, Colette had a little doily on the tray and we had teacups and a little sugar bowl. We tried to be very grown up and pretend that we, you know, we were worthy of, of being church leaders. And Peter and Jan were so comfortable and so relaxed and he just poured out these resources. He says, if you need to know about this thing, here's something on this. You want to raise leaders, here's a bit on, on that. And I tell you, those notes were our salvation. Uh, church planters, we had a lever arch file full of handwritten notes back in the day. Uh, after the Bible, that's what kept us going. Because when we did church planters, we were deacons in a church. We didn't even know about this stuff. Treasure what you learned this week. Um, it's important. We took a note out of Pete and Jan's uh, book. And so then we would connect with guys. We'd go to connect meetings. It was two hours travel to get to the equivalent of a connect meeting. And uh, we'd try and Awkwardly, I'm not the most confident person uh, to meet people, and we'd kind of sidle up to guys and say, um, we'd love to invite you for coffee, and um, could, we, could we have coffee with you? And so we would travel from Margate to Mpangeni. We did a couple of times, which is about, I don't know, three, four hours to have coffee. Hey, three hours? I don't know. Four hours? I remember Terry and Sandy Kruger, TK, who now leads a church in um, uh, Denver, Remember him saying, oh man, why don't you just sleep over? We're so relieved because it's far to travel for coffee. And I uh, went and saw Ron and Sushi Naidu and they served us, uh, do you get the surname? They, they, they served us food and asked us to eat with our hands. We were like, uh, and it was carrot salad. And uh, we learned about different cultures. We, we, I remember sitting uh, late at night with Terry and Sandy and they poured deep stuff about the nations into our hearts. He sent me home with a book of his poems, one, of the f one in the front, his deep dreams of his son that he was trusting the Lord for. We left with hearts for the nations, hearts to dream, to trust God for who knows what he could do if we just keep on walking together. Uh, man, can I say this to you? Be careful who you have coffee with. Wawa commented on Friday night of the amount of the, the liters and liters of coffee we've drunk together. Be careful who you have coffee with, you know. Fast forwarding a whole bunch of years. Uh, in 2013, we went to, to the States for a team meeting and a man called Fred DeLay uh, stood up in Denver and he preached a Sunday meeting and I was so taken by this man. He was weeping for the city that God has called him to. I, was, I thought, your Lord, that's the kind of heart I want. And so a year later, sitting in that side hall around one of those square tables, I said to him, hello, my name's Craig. I don't know if, we, if you know me, but I'd love, to have some, I'd love to have coffee with you at tea time. Be careful who you have coffee with. Yeah? 
The following year, I was invited to, to Europe, and I was so keen, and it just didn't work out. Instead, I went to Bloemfontein um, around the same time, and uh, God gave us a word for, for Europe, and every year since, apart from 2020 with COVID, we've found ourselves uh, in Europe. Be careful who you have coffee with. My first year out of school, I was in um, Brownstown. They were running a year program. Went to a deaf camp of some kind, joy camp, Marcus. I remember Marcus preaching, I went up for ministry, he laid his hands on me. It's funny, however many years later, we still work together, we still walk together. His mom ended up in our church in Margate, Goya, and um, I can tell you story after story of how you keep coming home, you keep coming, so be careful who you have coffee with, because you will build relationships with men and women that will carry you for the long haul. Some have been for a year or two, some decades and decades. Um, one of the things, let me say this quickly, if I can. Um, in your processes, in your planting, in your transitioning, make sure to build with a team. Our first transition was not a great one. And there were some years where we really had stuff to learn about transitions. It uh, was not a great one. When we took over the church, we didn't have many strong relationships with team members. The, the kind of relationships were through the lead guy. And so if you're about to lead, then make sure, we've tried to do it hard with this, Wawanzandi, they're our friends, so that's why I'll talk about them a bit. But um, point them to people to make their own relationships. Uh, we left, and then if not for that suitcase and Pete and Jan Howard Brown, we would have been floundering. So make sure you have coffees with the right people and walk with them. Um, when we did that transition, I remember it was the couple who were leading the church, me without college, she wasn't invited to the meeting, and a, a deacon who was two years younger than me who was the guy that was doing the books for the church. That's how we figured out the transition. Second time around was entirely different. Make sure you build with a team in the big moments. Have guys that you have worked, worked with over a period of time. When I say guys, I'm, that's a generic term for guys and girls, right? Uh, very quickly, then I'm going to ask Colette to come up and share with us. I've spoken about my story, but I, I would love to, to us to look at the, the, the Bible rather than just our story, just a quick biblical framework for building with a team. Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it talks about Barnabas. Can I go quickly? I'm assuming you know these passages or you've read them sometime. Uh, but remember Barnabas, he was called the son of encouragement. The, his, he actually had another name and they changed it for him. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says, when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he really was a disciple. You remember that passage? Yeah? If he was on his own, what would Christianity have ended up like? If the Bible says, but Barnabas, who is Barnabas? Translocal team member. Finds this young upstart in a brand new ministry expression. God had taken a hold of him. He, yeah? And Barnabas finds Paul and takes him and introduces him to the apostles. He vouches for him. He says, hey, and he tells the stories. Now, friends, you will need some mates. Some guys and girls that can vouch for you, that can introduce you. You know, I don't know how many, <laughs> about four or five years ago, I went to uh, a time with Dudley in, in Australia, four years ago, something like that, and um, 
Uh, Darren Prosser, who leads the church where Dudley and Anne are based, uh, asked, us to, asked me to preach that Sunday morning. I think it was the first time Dudley ever heard me preach, four years ago. We've been on team since 2000. This team has opened doors to us without asking us to jump through hoops, without qualifying us. I'm pretty sure Dudley had us checked out pretty well. My point is this. Barnabas, without knowing Saul Paul for very long, opened doors for him. He brought him into connection with these apostles. And um, it says, he told them, he brought them. And so Paul stayed and had free worship, uh, free ministry with him. The second little example is Paul's farewell. You know, in Acts chapter 20, when he calls the elders to him on the beach, one of the most beautiful uh, passages I find. Uh, but friends, if you have coffee with the right people, you will have cause to weep when you say goodbye. Can I say, if you could audit your translocal relationships, and if you don't have any ones worthy of weeping over, you need to get some more relationships. Hmm. I could talk for lots of, about that. Um, huh. Then you've got... Um, Titus is an example, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Paul goes to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and he found the Lord had opened a great door of ministry for him. But verse 13 says, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. You cannot do ministry alone. If you're planting, chances are you won't have a team for a while. We led in Margate for 11 years. Somewhere along the line, we had some trouble. Uh, one elder fell morally. The other elder had to move away for work. And we were down to just us for nine months. Oh, it was challenging. When we came to Centurion, there were no elders. We were the only elders for five years. Five years. Then these guys. I want to say, if not for the team, for not for being able to co-elder with the team, we wouldn't have lasted. Who makes the big decisions? Who makes the big calls? Who helps you with your doctrine? And so if you're going to plant, chances are you'll start to take a while before you really need to choose. Uh, have some conversations. Say, will you guys walk, walk with us? Will you co-elder with me for this next season? I'll be accountable to you and we'll walk closely. And if a guy's, and, and then if, well, it needs to be genuine. Don't ask some guy, yeah, yeah, I'll try and squeeze you in. That's not what we're asking for. Uh, will you buy in? Yes. See how important coffee is? You have coffee with the right people, you get to cry, <laughs> but you also get to have people that will not just kind of, yes, I'll be on your letterhead as one of your directors. No. Uh, we have people in our lives in the life of Grace Cove Church who know the congregation by name, the guys that we've co-elded with before we had elders, uh, and so on and so on. Kerak, will you come share? Hello everyone. So as you heard, our story is a little bit unique in just going into ministry so young and throughout the years, just um, leading churches, being part of eldership at a church. But uh, in CMI, I can say categorically that I would not be standing here in ministry if it wasn't for this team. And so this is my story, uh, just the fact of being faithful to what God has called you to now as you step into new season, but for me, uh, just being faithful to what God called me to. And so 
this team has really been life-giving for me um, as a pastor's wife. And it goes back many years. Is is like being a 22-year-old. Uh, in those days, I went. We had a church part of our a school part of our church, and I was working in the office. And as we came on to full-time ministry in the church, I was uh, led into now, now you're full-time in the church, and just go and do it. And I remember asking the question, "Well, what does?" an elder's wife, a pastor's wife, do? Like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And no one could give me the answer except support your husband, which is a brilliant answer, but did not help at all. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking today just very shortly about just uh, some of the struggles that I've had just being uh, in ministry I'll just limit it to three today because we don't have uh, weeks and hours and months and years. <laughs> but it is such a joy to be in the place of leading God's people. But some of the struggles that we face as um, an elder's wife is just that everyone uh, has an opinion on what we should doing, be doing, what we should be saying, what we should not be saying, and uh, who we should be. And so some of the struggles that we have which are in all the internal struggles of what is right and what is God got for me as a person. And so you'll know if you are just planting or have planted for a while, uh, recently that there is a test that God takes you on. It's called the loneliness test. Have you heard about it? It's uh, almost where God withdraws you from the people around you, and it's a time where he speaks to you. He, his voice becomes louder, and it's almost like the voices around you become less, but it is also a time where the, the devil can talk to you and say, actually, um, you're isolated, no one loves you. This happens particularly as you've planted, so just be careful, my friends. <laughs> no one loves you, no one's phoning you, your phone is suddenly very quiet, and it's in those times of loneliness and isolation that this is the time that, that the team actually can come into, uh, when I say team, I mean everyone who is partnering with the NCMI. Um, come into the fore. It's in our corporate meetings that when we're getting together and we're still going, that those times can be such life-giving times when you actually feel like you have no one and, and nothing. I remember uh, there are seasons of loneliness and God takes us into those, but I remember being actually in this uh, hall, this auditorium, and it was full of people, and God had linked me and a friend, we just kind of saw each other from across the road and, and went together and it was such a God time for us because we just saw each other and started breaking down in tears and we realized we were both so consumed with loneliness that we actually were on the verge of giving up uh, this wonderful privilege that we call ministry and it was just such a God connection. Excuse me if I'm not making sense. It's a Monday. It's usually our day off. And uh, this is my nap time. So that's uh, if my words are dis disjointed. <laughs> I'm normally napping at this time on a Monday. <laughs> so that's the loneliness test. And partnerships uh, like NCMI can be so life-giving in times where 
it's a key time, you're vulnerable, and the devil can isolate you and actually cut you off at the knees. Uh, another struggle that I've struggled with that I referred to earlier is just understanding what my role as a woman in ministry is. And let me just qualify this one to say I am in deep submission to my husband and to the word of God and to my elders. And so uh, you don't have to worry. Um, I'm not fighting for position. In fact, if you are, whether you be a man or a woman, uh, if you're planning a church for a position, actually, that's just you setting yourself up for failure and hurting the people around you. And so just sometimes it's hard to understand that as a woman, without a title, without a job description, what am I called to be and do? And I found incredible freedom in just the scriptures, in reading uh, just the different roles and, and women that God has, has um, given tasks to in the Bible and, and how they've lived that out. Um, so just Craig and I have had some good wrestles, not with each other, but just wrestling through the scriptures. What does this mean and what is this? And it's just given me such a spacious place to live as a woman who... Uh, battled with for years when it came to filling in forms and saying, well, what's your job description? And it would always get me because I didn't know what to say. What do I put down there? Is it pastor? Is it pastor's wife? Is it administrator? I just really don't know what to write there. And I am talking from the perspective of coming into ministry very young. This was and has been my only career. And so uh, that's the perspective I'm talking from. But I'd just like to encourage you women just to not look around you in terms of comparison because I think if, if we had to stand up, the women in this room, even just uh, our peers, uh, women who are leading churches with their husbands and we had to compare ourselves, some of our friends are working full-time, other friends are uh, just a full-time homemakers and yet leading the church. And just there's so many different things that God can call us to. And it's hard sometimes to find the balance and where you fit in. And so when we start comparing ourselves, maybe even to the, the woman who's been uh, your mentor and to slapping you in, in what this is, when you start comparing yourself to her, you're in trouble because you're not her. And when you start listening to the voices of just people around you, and I'm not talking about uh, not being accountable and being discipled, that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. If you start listening to just the voices that are telling you who you should be, what you should be, it drowns out the voice of the one who actually created you to be who you are. And so my encouragement to you is to just be who God has created you to be, whether that, no matter what that is and what that looks like for you. And uh, we'll have to spend a lot more time unpacking that. Lean into other pastors' wives and the divine God connections that are brought to you. And uh, the freedom that has been brought to me being part of NCMI is that we are part of a grouping with such diverse people, men and women, it's actually quite easy to find who God links you to. Thirdly, and very quickly, keep your heart clean. Uh, just, you're going to be disappointed in ministry. 
but it is such a joy to be doing what God has called you to be and, and do. And so my encouragement to you is fight to keep your heart clean. Doesn't matter what happens and what is thrown at you. Forgive when you need to forgive. Fight for friendships. Fight for the freedom of those you're leading. And yes, that's me. All right. I'd like to finish, if I may, just with some pra practicals, just some how-tos. Maybe you're doing these things already, but um, otherwise it's just stories, right? It's just my story and your story. Can I say, how do you practically partner with the team? Well, number one, just press in. Just press in. Be at the meetings. Find, get, phone, get phone numbers. Just press in. A partnership is for your benefit, so it's your responsibility. Um, you know those people in your church that say the pastor never phones me and you're the pastor? Well, in translocal relationships, we tend, we tend to say the team never phones me, but we, don't, we think it's different in the local church. Just you press in, okay? You press in. Number two is this thing of proximity. Get close to those people that you feel God's called you to build with. Just get close. If they're busy doing a task, if you find out that they like something, guys in the same city as you, they play a sport that you like or have an interest that you like, just go and do that. The number of people, it's not often, probably three times in my life that I've had to play golf. The reason why I play golf, they once had a pastor's day, they said, we're going to play golf. Craig, do you play golf? I said, no, I don't, but I do relationships. And so I walked around a golf course in Tackies and everyone hated me. I didn't understand it. Just be prox. Just get close to the guys and girls that you want to get uh, to walk with. If you hear they're in town, ask them for coffee. If you hear they're doing something that you can help with, if you hear in a conversation that they have a, that they have a, a, a challenge, pray for them and then let them know that. So first of all, press in. Number two, proximity. Number three, be like a bad penny and keep turning up. Be like a bad penny and keep, you know that that's saying? Sorry if you don't. Um, we've just resolved. I hope you can hear this. I can hope, hope you can hear the heart. We've just resolved that um, whenever there's a team thing on, we're part of the team, we'll be there, whether it's golf or something else. And so I come to every single translocal training meeting I possibly can. If there's one happening in South Africa, I'm there. Why? Uh, I know what they'll say. I've done translocal training in other countries. It doesn't matter. My teammates are on the field. I want to play the game. Yeah? So my best thing for you is just keep turning up. Just keep turning up. If you hear there's something on the go, is there a city celebration? Is there a, a city prayer meeting? Is the church down the road? God says, turn up, sit in the back seat and amen loudly. Man, it'll take you far. Yeah? How would you like someone to do that to you? Make sense? Number four. <laughs> Number four is make friends with unlikely types. Make friends with unlikely types, people that aren't necessarily like you. In other words, invest in awkward relationships. Back in the day, Dudley had quite a reputation, uh, especially when you're looking at it from the other side. I remember sitting at a dining room table at a kind of event, you know, we were all eating together, and I ended up sitting across the road from Dudley. I was like, okay, what do I talk about now? Yeah, but if you want to walk with someone, you've got to talk to them and get to know them, right? Invest. I remember phoning Ray Oliver once on the phone, on the landline those days, and I'm like, hello, Ray, hello. Um, I just wanted to ask you this question quickly. Um, <laughs> I remember asking him like a real life-changing question for me, and he said, well, Craig, 
if that's the case, then maybe you should do this. And I thought, oh my goodness, I hope I never talk to him again. You know, he ended up staying in our house with Moira and the great friends of ours. So just invest. Don't just find the people that are like you. Invest in people that are not like you. Pray for the team and let them know it. You know, we have communication is such a great thing. Just pick someone that God's putting in. Pray for them and let them know. I'm praying this for you this morning. I hope it helps. So we partner, how we build a relationship, connections beyond hemispheres. Build your own close group of teammates. Find some that you will go deep with regularly. And then the last thing I'll finish with is what about invites? Because I hope as you start to plan your calendars, uh, what, what about invites? You should be thinking through who you invite into your church. Don't just get the flashiest guy or the guy that opened the last equip. Get someone that you know who knows you. So it's not just, hey, can I get you for a date? It's like, can I have a relationship with you? And out of that ministry flows. My suggestion to you, this is what has happened with us in Pretoria. Some teammates you might want to have in every year. We have one guy who's come more than once a year since we've been going in Pretoria. Others you might want to have every second year. Others you might want to have as needed. But make friendship circles Open your hearts, get guys to talk into your finances and so on and so on, so that when you would like them to minister into the church, there's a bridge already. But don't limit your partnership to, with the team with filling a pulpit. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to go to ncmi.net for more resources.